0: Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about schools, stop negotiating with woke loonies, uh, polyamorous gender-fluid witch teachers, uh, retaking colleges for America, Alan West attacked, LinkedIn, another big tech speech censor, and election fraud, election fraud caused January 6th. Here's the fix. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
1: America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry.
0: Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. For our radio listeners, this is America Can We Talk. You can find more about this show online at our website, americacanwetalk.org. The First Five today. I just want to talk briefly about the idea that sometimes in the midst of all these political battles and political seeming great tension and variance of views on a variety of really important topics, there is actually the concept of truth, as in facts. Truth and facts actually exist. There's also a right concept, a true concept of what America is. America is just not a word for the uh, diagram, the lines around a certain portion of the planet Earth that we designate as our country. That is, United States of America, we have, you wouldn't know it, that we have southern borders, but we have borders that designate what America is. But the idea of America, the purpose of this show, the defense of the idea of America has very little to do with those geographic boundaries, and everything to do with the political and constitutional and immortal ideas that are spelled out in the Declaration of Independence, and that are in the uh, that were cre- the, we created a country around that through what w- was written into the Constitution. America is itself the idea of America is unique and extraordinary in all of human history. It's based on the concept that individuals the biblical concept that individuals have rights from God simply because they were born, that all of us are equal, that we're not we are completely equal, all of us. We have God-given rights and God-given identity. And our inherent rights from God include the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is what America is. If America, the country United States of America, became communist, we wouldn't be America anymore. America is not just the name for the geography on the planet, on the globe, it is the name for the ideas that we're in our founding and that we patriots struggle to stand up for today. I had a young millennial tell me once not too long ago, you know, it's not unpatriotic to be socialist. Well, actually it is. It is. Socialism is inherently contrary to the idea of America. And that's part of what the battle is politically around the country The idea of socialism, the idea of government-controlled life is utterly, incurably antithetical to the promise of freedom in America. And getting around, I really want to talk about in the first five. I just think it's important when I talk about America to say what I'm talking about. Not just the geography, the ideas that created, unique and extraordinary ideas that created America. So... Last night, my husband and I had the great pleasure of being at a fundraiser, and uh, at the fundraiser, uh, which is for conservative causes. Uh, but at the fundraiser, a gentleman uh, joined in. Uh, who He was there as a guest, a uh, guest of the host. His name is Jonathan Kane, and he is with the band Journey. And Journey is a pretty popular band. Journey's been around since 1973, and they were formed in San Francisco. Truly long term, long popularity band. And this uh, gentleman, Jonathan Kane, uh, at this event played the piano. It was a small little gathering in someone's home. Played the piano and played two of the all-time favorite uh, hits uh, by the band, Journey. And so I want to share with you, uh, I recorded it. I mean, a lot of people were recording while we were sitting there, but I recorded part of it. And what I really want to play for you is just the remarks he made at the very beginning, he, Jonathan Kane of Journey. What he played before, what he said before he played the two hits he played for us. So I have that sent to Mr. Becker if he could play that for you now.
1: I'll dim the Dems because I see the way they, they work and we just have to organize. And it has to start in this state, in this town, right now. That's what I believe in my heart. And uh, I just, uh, I'm, a, I'm a patriot. The word seem to be gone. And I sent to President Trump. Why doesn't anybody really understand who you are? And he said, what do you mean? I said, you're a patriot, sir. You're a patriot. You bleed red, white, and blue. And, uh, and finally, the name Patriot has been come, it's come back. And I wish the young people in our country would learn what Patriot means. Would become Patriots. Honest to God, that's who we're missing. They're taught all this stuff in school that's not patriotic. When I was in school, I was 100% patriarch, you know? And uh, I think we need to bring back the word patriot, 100%. And I'm done now, I'm just going to play a couple songs.
0: Of time before the end of the show, I I actually recorded those two, um, the two great songs he played. It was Don't Stop Believin' and Faithfully, two of their all-time favorite songs. They're actually on our Facebook page if you are watching on Facebook, or if you can go to the Facebook page for America Can We Talk. I posted the full rendition of what he played at this event. They were truly remarkable. But to close out the first five, I just want to say that what he was talking about is common sense, everyday America. For, really, uh, decades and centuries, most Americans knew that the country America was unique, extraordinary, great, and important, and important in all of world history. It is only with the push of the anti-Marxist, the, the Marxist anti-American left, in today's political conversation, in today's, in today's political milieu, that somehow we have, that it has gained traction, that being anti-American and, and, being, and being critical of the country America, of the ideas of America, is somehow an equally valid political position in America. You know, kind of like some people love America, some people hate America, but we're all Americans. No. Part of being an American is understanding what America is and standing up for it. And that's part of the battle we're in in this country today. We're going to talk more about that. I want to close out the first five by saying I found it really refreshing that someone who's been on the road with the band journey for decades, a a stellar, stellar musician, singer, uh, deeply thoughtful guy, of all the things he could have talked about before introducing the two songs he played, he talked about the importance of being a patriot could not be more important to understand what it means to be a patriot and sign up to be that in America today. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. OK, so I, um, there was a, a quick little video. What I want to hit on today is this concept that many of the issues we face, they seem like we are we're, the country is 50-50 on, on all sorts of issues. Like half of us love an, an abandoned southern border, and half of us kind of wish they would enforce the border but that's not true. The overwhelming majority of Americans, and I don't care what any poll says, I am telling you, the overwhelming majority of Americans want the border enforced. They also want a lot of the loony, woke absurdity in the public schools to be removed. They don't want to negotiate it. They don't want to talk about it. So I'll play a quick clip, there is a woman who I hope I'm going to use a correct um, you know, was and not is a uh, teacher, a preschool teacher in Florida, but this woman defines herself as a polyamorous, gender-fluid witch, and she teaches young children, preschoolers. I have Mr. Becker play her video, and then we'll talk about that. Man, y'all
2: thought me, uh, teaching the children, about <laughs> me being poly was crazy, but not only that, but they also know that I'm gender-fluid. Uh, at one point last year, I had explained to them that I was not Miss Lois or Mr. Lois, it's just Lois because I'm not a boy or a girl. And this was all well and good until October when I also explained to them that I'm pagan, so I am also a witch. And at one point I got gotten a haircut and I got in the sides of my mohawk to shave down. And I come into work and one of the children goes, Lois, are you a boy? You have short hair. And his sister goes, No, Lois is a girl. And a third child suddenly yells, No guys, we've been over this. Lois isn't a boy or a girl. Lois is a witch.
0: Don't Okay. I wanted to play that because I'm going to guess literally ninety nine percent of America would listen to that and think That woman should be nowhere near teaching any child from PK through graduate degree. She should have no role in interacting with students. The concept of being a student is that you're there to learn. You're there to listen to your teachers as they impart knowledge to you. She is not imparting knowledge. I mean, she may occasionally talk with them about learning their colors or something. But she's imparting perversion. She's imparting confusion. We have to be able in this country to get past because the left always tries to lure us in to debate things on their level. Well, you know, some people are, are actually non-binary. No, they're not actually. We need to stop humoring that. If you say you're non-binary, what you're saying is, I, I, I have no connection to biological reality. I can't reason on facts. I can't think in terms of actual facts, actual biology. So she's a non-binary, says she, she's whatever she whatever that means, polyamorous. I won't even start down that path except to say there are lots of less pleasant words that used to be used about people who uh, engage in polyamorous activity. Also claiming she is a witch. And she's teaching this to young children, to four-year-olds. And that little story she thought was so cute to recount, the kids are absorbing this. Some kid is actually saying to his friend, oh, no, 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 she's, she's not a girl or a boy. She's a witch, as though that's truth. When you present things to children in the educational context, you are, unless you're saying, I'm about to tell you a myth, I'm about to tell you a fairy tale, when you just impart things, the assumption is, and the assumption kids make, is that you're imparting truth. She's not imparting truth. She's, she's got, obviously, I, I truly feel sorry for her. Anyone who would deliberately cause herself to look like in uh, dress and, and carry her, or carry herself in such a bizarre manner, she's, she's truly a, not a happy person and someone who needs help. I don't, I don't feel ill will toward her. I actually wish she would get help. But she doesn't belong teaching in schools. And part of reclaiming America is the ability to say, in America, as an adult, you can claim that you are polyamorous and gender fluid and non binary and all the other things she says about herself. But you can't teach that to children. And we don't have to accept that as legitimate. We can say, you know what, actually, uh, we let, knock yourself out of your life, but you can't do that in schools. And part of what it means to stand up and must happen in getting back and <laughs> sanity back to our country if teachers like that have to be removed, we're not gonna negotiate with them about whether there really is such a real thing as gender fluid, or real thing as non-binary, or real thing like you're somehow, you know, imposed on you from your birth, you're polyamorous, you're making choices, and the American people can like them or not like them, but you can't teach that in school. And I want to just make that point because I think in so many instances, conservatives get lured into thinking. We're going to have a discussion, go back and forth. There's two sides to every issue. As one of my best friends in law school used to say, who is a huge liberal, there are not two sides. She used to say, I hate that expression, there are two sides to every question. There was slavery. What was the other side? There are many things in which there's no other, there's no defensible position. Slavery was wrong, period, full stop. And we don't, entertain the idea of saying, well, you know, know, there were some good things about slavery. No, actually, it's pure evil, wrong. Every society, every culture where it was practiced, which is far more than just America, always wrong, always perverse, always not okay. We've got to get back to being willing to say those things in America because otherwise we trip ourselves up trying to explain ourselves in situations where no explanation should be needed. On a similar event relating to schools, and I'm on this notion today. I'm telling you the solutions to a lot of our issues in America simply are going to be found with on the path of saying there's truth and not truth. This is true, and this isn't true. And there is a wide range of opinions available. There on many issues, there there are you know opinions on all sides of the aisle. But some things there are not, and and like slavery is one of them. And I'll tell you one more point about this. This gender fluid non-binary blah 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 public school teacher i mean primary a uh, uh, preschool teacher if that person or any person came into the school and said i'm a white supremacist we would know to say you are flat out evil you are wrong you are evil and we are not going to have this imparted to our children even if the person said well you know i'm not saying i'm not teaching the kids about this i'm just telling that's who i am If you impart things to children and they require a value judgment and you don't attach that judgment, you are impliedly telling them this is all cool, this is okay, and that's what you be. And in the context of white supremacy, we recognize no, no teachers allowed who are going to impart white supremacy as a reasonable uh, approach to life, as a reasonable uh, thought, a reasonable paradigm to have about the world. Not allowed, not have it in our schools. So I want to turn from the polyamorous blah, 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 preschool teacher and talk about an incident that happened to um, Alan West. And, and many of you listen to the show very often. You know, um, my husband and I are good friends with Alan West and his wife. We, we love, they're family friends. I love them. But I also, uh, I defend much of what he does. One thing he did recently, he did a speech at the University of Buffalo. And I sent Mr. Becker, I do believe, a clip from his speech, and what occurred at the University of Buffalo, University of Buffalo, is he tried to give a speech? If you can play that. Black no justice! No peace! No no peace!
2: No No justice! But you talked a lot
0: about
2: um, the fact that the reason why America is really valued that it dies because of two-parent households and here fatherless, whatever the hell you're talking about. Yeah. And also, like, how can you, as a black man, let's be honest, you are.
0: Okay. I wanted to play that for you. I cut out a middle segment. It was hard to hear the words that are being discussed in that classroom. But on the subject of defending America, so Alan West, you know, he's a former military guy. He's a you know very brave military guy. Uh, he is a former uh, chairman of the Texas Republican Party. Uh, you know, he's just a, a, a brilliant, sought-after speaker uh, because he defends the ideas of America. Not just in kind of a rah-rah slogan-slinging way, but a deeply profound way defending the ideas of America. He's an author written about this. And so he's now a public speaker on behalf of another group, uh, American Constitutional Rights Union. A- yeah, ACRU, American Constitutional Rights Union. So he's at University of Buffalo giving a speech. The name of his speech at that school was, America is not racist. He's not saying there are no Americans in the entire country who are racist. He's saying, America, the country, is not racist. So that's what he's there to talk about. So he's brought there, I believe, by the Young America's Foundation group. In any case, he's at University of Buffalo and being interrupted and yelled at, not asked intelligent questions by the audience, but yelled at. And, by, and this, the, what you couldn't maybe make out in that young girl's question, she says, what he had been saying essentially was, among the problems in the black community in America is the breakdown of the family. I've heard him give this speech before or make these points before on my show and other speeches. Essentially that, you know, the black community in America had a, an intact family, mom, dad, family unit, and, and children family unit in America at the rate of about 80% until the uh, massive effort by the Democrat Party to basically create a dependency class in this country, also known as the Great Society, the War on Poverty, basically hand out money, flinging money around the country, and as Alan West points out, we started out. Uh, Before that uh, effort by the left, which was really an effort towards towards socialism, toward government dependency, toward weakening the self-reliant spirit, you had 80% of black families with mom, dad, and kids intact family unit, to where now it's only 20%. They totally flip as 80% single parent home. He points to that in many instances as among the problems that are contributing to some of the issues and challenges faced by the black community. I don't even know if he made that point in this speech, but he makes it often. But this person's question was, instead of saying, you know, what's wrong with uh, single-parent homes? Or, you know, I would like to challenge your premise that America is not racist. Her argument and the question was, how could you, she's scolding him, ignoring the struggle of your own people and validating conservative views by, uh, held by people she calls oppressors. I mean, she is so, the student and all of them protesting are so brainwashed, they can't listen to a speech, they could disagree. I mean, I have conservative black friends and they have, you know, a range of views about whether they think there is racism in America. Most of them say, certainly not, there's no, there's not systemic racism, not institutional racism. Yeah, there are people who are racist. You know, wide range of views, how how much racism exists in the hearts and minds of people of every single race, ethnicity, skin color, and national origin. Racism is not exclusively a trait suffered in one particular race. But back to what Alan West is trying to do, he's trying to talk to them about the idea the American left, the anti-American left, tries very hard to convince young black Americans that America is a deeply racist country, and therefore you are a victim. Nothing that ever happens to you is because of your own behavior, decisions, choices, uh, failure to act, act, whatever. You know, nothing is your fault. Everything is the fault of systemic racism. And what he's trying to talk about, the idea is that you know he's saying, America is not a racist country. We have historical elements that have occurred. And he's trying to encourage them to find hope in the goodness of America and the rightness of the ideas of America's founding. But instead of engaging on that level, the gut reaction by those students, not just the one whose question you heard, but the, the mob that followed him afterwards, is basically, you're not allowed to defend America. You're not allowed to say America is a good country. You're not allowed to hold the view. It is a left-wing view. America is evil. That is the left-wing view taught by the anti-American left through the 1619 Project, the BLM movement, the Antifa movement. The entire left-wing educational structure is all designed to instill in young students hatred of America. It is the agenda the left has. They want students to hate America. And what they really want them to do is to hate America enough that they will buy into whatever the left is selling, which is the growing socialism and communism right at home in today's Democrat party. So back to this event, this is what this is the result of the just indoctrination and propagandizing of America's youth that you can't have at a college campus with a nationally renowned speaker you can't have intelligent conversation. No intelligent conversation allowed. No exchange of ideas. No, I disagree with your premise because I think X, but I see what you're saying about why. It is scream at him and taunt him, taunt him for, and the words of that young girl, again, you're ignoring the struggle of your own people. No, he's analyzing why he thinks there is a struggle among some portions of the black community. He's not He's not ignoring the struggle. And she's saying, validate, you're validating conservative views. Well, I mean, you know, ideas are true or not true. They're true for every skin color, race, ethnicity, and national origin. Two plus two is four. The sun is hot. Water is wet. Facts are facts. And part of what he's trying to do through his impartation of facts is inspire people to think outside of the propagandizing. Um, you know, uh, assault by the American left and say, no, just just let's stop and think, and encouraging them. And basically, these people have taken on the view that conservative Americans are their oppressors, and although not in that quote, basically white Americans are their oppressors. So he's trying to encourage them to think, to see a different perspective, which used to be the reason among the main things that that occurred at the college and university level. The robust exchange of ideas listening to each other, processing your ideas, and then responding, well, I see it this way. But what he's he's getting at is, trying to talk to them, is you're not even thinking. And and they're so wound up in their oppressed, victimized uh, worldview that the only thing they can think of in response to his, let's talk about whether America is really a racist nation or not, all they can do in response is chant Black Lives Matter, scream at him, overwhelm him. He had to get a police escort out of the uh, venue where he was speaking because they became so angry. At the mob surrounded him, chanting Black Lives Matter, no justice, no peace, and also say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. None of those points in any, of any substance of any intelligence responding to what Alan West was saying. And this probably counts in their worldview, the BLM screaming activists as political activism. Not learning anything, not processing new information, not trying to understand how to make the world a better place or to understand other people's views, especially those of conservative black Americans. And that group is growing, by the way, conservative black Americans. It is to shout and scream him down and that constitutes their intelligent participation in the American political conversation. So I I will say, in my my quest to say, a lot of our solutions, they, they are simple, but they take courage. Part of what has to happen, University of Buffalo, literally the students who disrupted his talk need to be suspended and perhaps expelled. There needs to be notices ahead of time. We're having an event. You can come, no interrupting the speaker. No threatening him, no screaming into the microphone. You can ask your question and sit down. And the school has to begin the process, not just University of Buffalo, but everywhere to say we're no longer tolerating the belligerent bullying by anyone, by any group of students, whatever their skin color, race, ethnicity, national origin, uh, country of birth, whatever organization or political uh, place they occupy on the spectrum of political views, you can't disrupt each other. This would be monumental, to have schools start to say, no one does this, and you are at risk of expulsion. And you start doing this at a place like this, you expel, I don't know, 50 people, the message goes around. You can protest outside, and you can wave your signs, you can have a march, but here in America, we actually believe in the robust exchange of ideas, and you're going to shut up if you come in and listen, or don't go. No one's making these people attend. And by the way, I was going to mention, um, just a short shout out to Bill Maher. Bill Maher, who's a leftist, I mean, he's happily a Democrat, he's even started saying the left in America has gone lunatic. I mean, when he's starting to say it, I think that the Pelosi's or the leaders of the anti-American left, the whole Democrat party, should start listening. Because if Bill Maher is finally figuring this out, that the, that the left is simply anti-American and lunatic, you know, other people are too, and they're going to stop listening to them. But I wanted to say, to remedy these kind of things, besides just me venting to you about the, uh, you know, non-binary, trans, whatever the whole uh, litany of bizarre, perverse adjectives she gave to herself, uh, and, and just uh, lamenting about what happened to Alan West, and this happens all over the country, there are great steps being taken by actual conservatives. One is Hillsdale College, a college that just just prides itself On teaching American civics, American history, uh, ancient philosophy, like kids emerge from Hillsdale College actually educated, not propagandized. Hillsdale College is opening 50 charter schools in the state of Tennessee, I think it is, Tennessee, um, anti woke curriculum focused on the centering, um, centered on the Western tradition, Western civilization actual sanity. In other words, actual sanity. So Hillsdale College kind of putting his money where his mouth is. In addition to their great, and I think free publication of the Imprimus, a wonderful source of information, they're launching 50 charter schools centered on Western tradition, which is nothing like what you're seeing at University of Buffalo, nothing like what you're seeing in that preschool in Florida. Western tradition, uh, civility, the civil exchange of ideas. Uh, Florida, I'm endlessly praising Governor DeSantis. Two more great things he did. Uh, DeSantis actually last summer they passed a bill in Florida requiring university faculty and students to be surveyed, to have a survey to respond to a survey about their beliefs. So public universities in Florida, getting funding from the taxpayers, they have to do a survey in which they respond to the questions such as their political leanings. The idea of this is to say, because many people say, well, all the universities are filled with communists and Marxists. Yeah, they are. And so this is part of getting at, you know, are you as a university providing diversity of ideology? That's my term. I don't know what term he uses. Diversity of ideology. We don't have to have our young people smothered in or marinated in the swamp of leftism for four years in college we actually ought to have them able to hear a variety of views, have the beauty of the um, of understanding ideas that are uh, you know that are held by millions of Americans. Hey, for our radio listeners, you're going off on a three uh, thirty second uh, three minute break. Come back after the break to America Can We Talk? Another half an hour to go. AmericaCanWeTalk.org, Come back after your break. Okay, I want to finish this point, my friends, before I get to my little three minute uh, thing. Uh, DeSantis also has uh, agreed to fund uh, and authorize the Hamilton Center. The Hamilton Center at the University of Florida for teaching the foundations of Western and American civilization. People, this is how we fight back. I mean, instead of me just uh, venting and lamenting about all the things that happen at these lunatic universities, Hillsdale College doing great things, uh, University of Florida now going to be forced to have a center where students, where faculty are there, Uh, I assume curricula of some kind is developed, and faculty members are there, and they are talking about the beauty and the greatness of Western civilization. I tell you, the whole conservative country is going to move to Florida pretty soon, but I love it. Uh, And actually, the goal is to educate um, university students in core texts, great debates on Western civilization, providing programming and training related to civic education and the values of open inquiry and civil discourse, even to support the K through 20 system. They are getting after the leftist attack on our, on our youth in America in Florida. Okay, but I want to hear this very quick story on the break. Um, and I just think this was, I, I, I came across this story, actually I came across it in, um, Steve Moore just still does his column, Unleash Prosperi- Prosperity. I don't know who he's affiliated with right now, but anyway, he still does his Unleash Prosperity, Prosperity column. One of the things they had in there, you know, we always talk on the show about how the uh, social media giants are shutting down conservatives, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, they're all shutting down conservatives. Uh, You know, they took my show, this show off of YouTube because I played the testimony of an actually trained medical doctor talking about how effective he had discovered ivermectin was in treating COVID patients. I mean, he's a doctor who was testifying at that time at the United States Senate. And that caused YouTube to take down my show. I mean, just think about that. The YouTube goofball average 26-year-old employees able to shut down commentary among Americans, especially by a doctor who is knowledgeable because he's been treating COVID patients. But I digress. Anyway, on this whole thing, I talk about social media. Well, now it turns out LinkedIn is apparently joining the the, uh, parade of social media giants who censor people. They had a woman who had. She's an Air Force veteran. She had a LinkedIn account, and on her LinkedIn account, uh, she's and her name. She's actually a founder of the nonprofit organization Code of Vets. Code of Vets. So, I mean, she's a serious, serious thinker, and she had her. Um, she had a, a post up in which she was basically saying, "Why are we doing student loan forgiveness?" She was challenging student loan forgiveness, the idea that you know Biden and all the leftists want to forgive all of the student debt in America because they're buying votes. It's the same way they buy votes on every other issue. It's why we have the Great Society. It's why we had the War on Poverty. It's the anti-American leftist Democrat Party buying votes, spending taxpayer money to get loyalty from people who want the government to spend more on them. That's what they do. But back to her. Smith posted on her LinkedIn account I am not responsible for your student debt. I grew up in poverty in North Carolina, ate from a garden, name was on community angel tree for Christmas, so she's obviously poor, bought clothes from yard sales, and if I was lucky, on a rare occasion, Sky City, I assume that's a rather low-income store. I joined the Air Force and then went to college. I made it happen. So an actual person suffering in poverty in America, you know, self-made, the whole American Dream story, she puts a posting up saying she opposes the idea of the forgiveness of student loan. And LinkedIn permanently shut her down. Just think about that. You can't even have a debate. They're as bad as the the Black Lives Matter activists shutting down Alan West. This is LinkedIn saying, you're not allowed to hold an opinion that goes against left-wing, you know, it's like it's like theology or gospel. The left wing, once they settle on something, no one can disagree with them. It's like they have stated the gospel truth that student loans should all be forgiven. So therefore, because you don't support student loan forgiveness, you are indeed a problem, and they will not humor you. Will not humor you. So um, I want, in case you, because I've often thought, well, LinkedIn's probably pretty safe. You know, they're not too bad. Um, yeah, they are. They are just as absolutely uh, loony um, as the uh, other, one, other social media companies uh, if they are going to say you can't even get into it. She didn't say bad words. She didn't say swear words. She didn't name call. She just basically told her her life and said, why is it we're going to have this student loan forgiveness? We can have more on that topic today, but I want to turn to one final and probably really the most to- important topic for the day. I call this segment, Election Fraud Caused January 6th, and here is the fix. You know, we'll continue talking about January 6th. We had a great interview last week with Julie Kelly, last Thursday. On this show, my Thursday special show that's now available for everyone, we had Julie Kelly on. She's a great writer at the website called American Greatness, and she's made it her mission almost since January 6th occurred, January 6th, 2021, to write about the January 6th episode at the U.S. Capitol. And she has told the stories of people whose lives have been ruined by false uh, prosecutions, false attacks on them by our government. She's written about the FBI involvement, how many FBI undercover people were in the Capitol that day. She has written about, and, and actually there's a new video out, I didn't grab it for today, but a new video out, probably most of you have seen it, where the now, you know, the, uh, as the January 6th prosecutions are occurring, the uh, FBI, DOJ rather, or the FBI or DOJ has, has arrested now and charged over eight, or almost 800 Americans. Almost 800 Americans, many of whom never went in the Capitol. They were outside that day and still got charged with a variety of things. So you have this whole prosecution occurring of these people at the Capitol on January 6th. Julie Kelly has been writing many, many brilliant articles explaining a lot about what actually happened that day, including that, for on many occasions, the people arrested say, I didn't even know you weren't allowed to go in. I mean, the Capitol Police were holding the door open. They were saying hi. We were taking selfies with our, of ourselves with the Capitol Police. That's what the people who were there and now being prosecuted are saying, so now new videos come out showing that the actual January 6th event at that day, there were indeed, because there are numerous openings at, you know, doors to the Capitol, at one side, at least one side, and I think actually two doors, the Capitol Police were holding the doors open. So you're an American citizen who goes down there because you're concerned about election fraud, you listen to President Trump, or you don't listen. Some of them didn't even hear President Trump's speech that day and they go over the Capitol, and they're arrested, and they have trespassing, parading, and the big charge that is a felony and that they're trying to throw at as many people as they can is unlawful interference with an official proceeding. Because January 6th was the day the members of Congress are supposed to vote on the question of whether or not to certify the electors. And so the big charge, which many people are now concerned the the January 6th commission is going to recommend, they can't charge people, they can just you know, January sixth, commission or committee is just a a group of left wingers in the U.S. House, uh, and I include the two Republicans in that label, left wingers. But those people are just able to subpoena you, call you before the committee, ask you questions. They have they have launched a, a wide, wide, wide swath of subpoenas, try and and document requests demanding people come before their committee and talk about what they did that day, why they did it, why they were there, and and they're really trying as hard as they can to frighten to death every single Trump supporter, make you feel like you, you are afraid to participate in this American process, afraid to exert your freedom, your right to freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. It's entitled, it's intended, the January 6th committee is intended to silence the Political opposition, the January 6th committee doesn't want to hear from. They don't, not just those that, that they don't want to hear from on that issue, on any issue. The message of the January 6th committee is nobody messes with the Democrat Party. Nobody goes against us. And most definitely, nobody challenges the validity of the January, uh, of the November 2020 election. No one's allowed to challenge that. In fact, I want to make this point again, I made it during the interview with Julie Kelly. There are actually Quotes in the sentencing guideline and the sentencing recommendations made by the prosecutors, quotes by the judges in making their statements in front to the accused, they are faulting them for not showing remorse for believing that the November 2020 election was stolen. If there ever was a screaming example of the government using its power, to shut down citizens, to tell you, you may not believe that. Now, you should, you can, and, and criminals are asked in sentencing, and the judge tries to assess: do they are they legitimately remorseful? You know, when you rob a bank, or you commit violence, or you do some other bad thing, it's clearly wrong. The government is you know, able to uh, say, well, you know, we believe the person showed remorse or we think they haven't showed remorse. Everything they're saying is, you know, if they're saying, I'm glad I killed her, you know, that's not remorse. What the In this case, the government's trying to say, and the government in the form of the judges imposing sentences and making decisions on whether you are, are suffer through pretrial incarceration or can stay at home until your trial happens, and the prosecutors are making sentences and recommendations, they're saying... Because you still believe the election was stolen, you failed to show remorse. You're not allowed to think. You're not allowed to have your own opinion. You're not allowed to listen to the evidence of election fraud. You're not allowed to. And, and related to that, Geron, what I want to say about this point today was on the January 6th event, the reason that most people were there, it's not because. They loved Trump so much, they wanted him there for a second term no matter what. It's because they had very valid reasons for believing that the November 2020 election was stolen. I tell you, if Biden won straight out in last November and there wasn't so much overwhelming evidence of election fraud, you know, if Biden won straight out, then a protest at the Capitol trying to get the members of Congress. To reject the Electoral College votes, you know, that would have been a bad thing. If the evidence was overwhelming or, you know, no reason to question the outcome of the election, then all of what occurred in January 6th would not be valid. It's only valid that their conduct, not the violent conduct, not breaking windows, but the overwhelmingly lawful conduct of virtually everyone at the January 6th event, the reason it was understandable and valid was because they were very legitimately convinced about the existence of election fraud. Because they watched the campaign in 2020. They watched Biden hiding out in his basement and having no events of any kind. And even when he shows up at his school gym, couldn't even fill you know a 10th of the gym. And they watched President Trump with rally after rally after rally, and and literally four and five a day, with sometimes 15, 20, 25,000 people at each one, the American people loved the Trump agenda. And there are plenty of people who love the Trump agenda who might also say, yeah, you know, I didn't like all his tweets. I think some of his tweets were out of line or too much. I don't care for the comment he made about women. I don't like whatever they didn't like about him. What the people voted for for Trump in 2016 and 2020 were his love of America and his policy supporting America. So that back to what happened on January 6th of 2021, people are in Washington because they watched and their common sense told them, there is no way, there is no way that Biden got 81 million votes. In addition to the fact that Biden didn't campaign, Trump was everywhere, and the, uh, the, the uh, you know, turnout was overwhelming. You had almost immediately after uh, the, uh, election day, you had information after November of 2020, you had information coming out about, and the one I point to that just really grabs me is 18 of 19 of the bellwether counties in this country. I mean, the counties that have accurately picked whatever way that county went is how the, the, uh, election went for the last like 40 years. So 18 of 19 of those counties went for Trump by like an average of 16 points. I mean, that's almost a, by itself, a, a, obviously, the election was stolen. So literally, of the, of the 19 Bellwether counties, 18 of 19 went for Trump by an average of 16 points. The one county that went for Biden went uh, by three points, three points. And so, and people knew about the, all of a sudden, the counting is going on on election night and, the, and the, the states that matter, the swing states, they started to see all of a sudden, hey, you know, we stopped counting. They had, they all stopped counting and you're watching by, uh, Trump on the way to clear victory. And then in the morning, lo and behold, they finished counting all the ballots and who knew Biden won them all. Isn't that, isn't that just so amazing? Biden won them all. People knew these things. Why they were there on January 6 and why they were upset is because they had common sense understanding that the election, that this just couldn't be what the election was. Couldn't be. And there are other, other indicators, which we talked about numerous times, but the left's effort to send out mail in ballots, the, the just flooding of America with unsolicited mail in ballots. And people actually going to the news and saying, yeah, I got five ballots at my house. Uh, now, we didn't get any. We didn't get an unsolicited ballot, but people did around the country. And that was obviously being used by the left as a means of fraud, as a means of stealing the election. So I'm getting around to saying January 6th. You can't fix January 6th even by just saying, okay, well, you know, we're going to prosecute a certain number of people. But many of them don't deserve to be prosecuted at all. Many of them didn't do anything that constitutes an actual, you know, prosecutable uh, act in in, uh, in Washington that day. But we can't really get over January 6 until we fix the potential for election fraud. And that's one thing I've been telling you. I, I mean, of all the issues I talk about uh, in this show, the, the many of them matter. Many of them are, you know, America preserving or America destroying. Many issues are, but. To me, a top and perhaps the top issue is whether we can fix the election system to avoid the obvious fraud that occurred in 2020. Can we make fixes so that not just a, a few random election geek experts agree this is a better system, but so that we can restore the faith of the American people in the election process, that people believe in it again. By the way, before I forget January 6, two other quick things happen. Uh, I told you the video's now out, Capitol Police officers welcoming people in. There's now in a pleading in one of the prosecutions um, of somebody in for January 6 event. Uh, the lawyer's pleading, uh, mentioned in a footnote, a 41-page motion to dismiss all four accounts on behalf of his clients, he's representing uh, oath keepers case defendants um, in why the people members of oath keepers but what he wrote in that in that uh, footnote that's become uh, gotten a lot of attention at least 20 FBI and ATF assets were embedded around the Capitol on January 6th and the FBI was there on the ground uh, and and in many cases as people have been talking about Ray Epps and others seeming to agitate the crowd so um, I was gonna talk more about the Whitmer. Uh, you know, the the DOJ has decided they're going to try the two defendants again in the Whitmer non-kidnapping and the the, the non plot to kidnap the concocted cl- uh, you know plot the FBI cooked up. I mean this is really it shows you a level of audacity coming out of the FBI. The jury acquitted two of the four people alleged in this you know Whitmer kidnapping plot, which was really an FBI entrapment. Of these truly, I'm sorry I sound unkind, hapless, uh, almost, you know, just kind of hapless, not serious people who basically were just griping about Whitmer's COVID shutdowns. And, um, and the FBI got in the middle of it, agitated, orchestrated. Clearly, I think many people looking at the facts would say that's, that's like textbook entrapment, but the DOJ is going to go after the two again. I don't know how well that is going to go. What I want to do in this segment, though, is talk about how we're going to fix election integrity. And I'm doing, I have upcoming um, three speeches, um, three speeches, uh, and a column I agreed to write, and I'm trying to focus in on the kind of things that will actually fix election fraud. Many of you are probably saying, well, you know, a lot of the red states already did a lot. A lot of the red states Did make changes. They looked at the overwhelming uh, evidence uh, of election fraud, which is still, by the way, being uncovered in Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan. Evidence of election fraud is still being unearthed and brought out, and you know, of course, met by the uh, media in this country with just deafening silence not going to talk about that not going to listen to that or calling people conspiracy theorists or something like that but the evidence keeps emerging and, and the common sense Americans already know the election was stolen. I'm going to just focus today on what has to happen not on you know what we retroactively anything but we can talk about that a lot too but moving forward what's going to happen Yes many states did something they passed election integrity provisions that may have tightened up voter ID, may have shortly, uh, slightly shortened the early voting period. By the way, the the break between early voting and then time off and then day of voting is one of the major sources of the electronic election fraud. The vote hacking, the, the hacking of voting machines to change votes. That is a hugely problematic period. So some states did some things, and a few states did many things, but I'm gonna tell you what I think has to happen, and I am truly on a crusade to get these things uh, pushed into the minds of not just state legislators, because this is a state issue. It's state legislators have to solve this, it's county commissioners' courts, it's state governors, it is even below the county commissioner court, the county election department. We've gotta get people on board with the idea, with some of the ideas I wanna tell you. Number one is, we need to eliminate electronic voting machines. We need paper ballots, period, full stop. And when I say eliminate electronic machines, I'm talking about vote on paper, I'm talking about you hand it in at the election department and it's tabulated manually, not on a vote tabulation machine. There's no use of the flash drives. Oh, I have a story to tell you, I don't have time today, but a story that uh, involves how much can be hacked and changed even in a flash drive, a little tiny thing you stick in your computer, you know, to, to get your English paper off to hand it in, or whatever you use uh, flash drives for. They are like mini computers with electronic parts that can be hacked and manipulated. So no flash drives, and then the retention, and then the counting has to be, you know, representatives of Republicans and Democrats, hand counting ballots. So that you have them all in place, there's no way you can argue uh, because, and, and it's even it should be filmed. It should be videotape filmed, and so there's a number ballot at the bottom of each. And so you, if you want to know, you know, my ballot was number one three four two eight, whatever it was. You know, is it still there? Um, yep, here it is, one three four two eight. Of course, you have to be careful not to have voters afraid that whatever they, the the paper ballot they use can somehow be traced back to them because your vote is supposed to be sacred and private. And I'm completely in support of that. So paper ballots only, election day only voting. We do not need early voting periods. There is no reason to have them. Uh, In fact, by the way, France going through a major, major runoff, the country of France, paper ballots. They figured this out. People are figuring this out around the world. You cannot, if you're going to have any uh, any electronic communication involved is subject to hacking. And the people who will hack into every conceivable computer, bank computers, federal government computers, they will hack into the vote if they can. So paper ballots only, day of election only voting. Day of, the only paper ballots, the only mail-in ballots allowed are for people in the military who cannot come home. Literally in the military cannot come home. And the extremely bedridden cannot, disabled, cannot get up. Everybody else, you gotta get them in there and you gotta have election day voting. And you need to have uh, because of election day voting generating so many voters in one place, spread out the precincts. You have to have smaller precincts so that everyone at the end of the day has a, a pile of paper they can count that's not insurmountable. You need more precincts. Not fewer, more precincts. Not fewer, um, and then you also have to have the, uh, you know, you have people voting from home, and then and then someone transmits their ballot, carries their ballot, and to be turned in. This is what the uh, two thousand mules film is about. D- Dinesh Souza's film is coming out early May. Oh, we're going to have Catherine Engelbrecht, Catherine Engelbrecht in the show, whose organization, True the Vote, really w- was the brainchild behind all that. Was the, the brilliance behind that? Anyway, she's coming on to talk about this too. Um, and you have to have, uh, and you have to have enough of the retention of these uh, paper ballots. To, and you can and actually, there's been a new uh, kind of paper developed that will allow less and less fraud to occur. You have to decide all these things. What we're going to do? It's got to be for every election, for now, for a long time. Because I'll make a prediction right here and right now, folks. If we had honest elections in this country, the anti-American Marxist left, the child propagandizing public school, sexualizing of kindergartners, the border abandonment agenda, the weakening of America's military, all of these signature items of the anti-American left would go down in defeat. America does not want what the left is doing. We've got to give Americans the chance to stand up for their country, stand up for their what they what their right as a constitution gives them to create their government, to govern as we the people. That's what needs to happen. And I'm going to be pushing this for a long time. We're getting close to the end of the show for where our, our radio listeners go off. Someone mentioned a couple of things for our radio listeners. Number one, you can always find the show online at americacanwetalk.org at that website. You can sign up for a newsletter. You can join America Can We Talk, which is a uh, $50 a year. You get discounts on our future um, events, which we have great events coming up. Uh, and you also get discounts on the products we're going to sell at that website. So we have, uh, so go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Number two is, if you'd like to support this show, you can join, as I say, for $50 a year, join our family uh, our America Can We Talk family, uh, you can also make a larger donation, which this, this show survives on donations of people who love the conservative message. I would so appreciate your support. You can also go to MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com. I'm telling you, the products at MyPillow.com are extraordinary. My husband and I have the MyPillow.com pillows, uh, bath towels, slippers, bathrobes. We have these great quality products, and they're right there at americancanwetalk.com, excuse me, at mypillow.com. When you go through, you can choose a bunch of items you like. At the very end, you enter a promo code, enter Debbie G, -G. D-E-B-B-I-E-G. D-E-B-B-I-E-G is a promo code. You get up to 66% off on what you purchase i get a small payment from them this helps keep my show on the air the second thing you can do is go is purchase a drink i drink every morning simply love it it's called hydro shot there's a picture of it there it's a nitric oxide boost uh, it is is a, a patented process nobody else can use it and you can't buy it online uh, you can, excuse me you can't buy it in stores only online go to h2bev h the numeral two bevbev.com Again, use the promo code G D E P B I E G Debbie G. You get 10% off your order. It's shipped to your house one drink in the morning. It truly does increase your performance, your endurance, your focus. It is hydrogen infused. I cannot tell you what a great difference it makes in my, in my alertness in the morning as I get going. Love if you'd buy that too. Those are ways to support the show. So for our listeners, again, you're uh, on radio. I want to be sure you're listening to America Can We Talk. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. I have a weekly newsletter you can subscribe to. Go to the website, americhemitalk.org, and hit subscribe. It takes you, and then you can get a weekly newsletter from me. You can find out about our upcoming summits and events and get all of our Why It Matters that we, we do every week, every day at the end of the show. So tune in to that, and also come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where we always talk truth about America. So come back. And so everyone else online, our listeners, I like to do at the close of every show to tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started talking about schools. Stop negotiating with the woke Loonies. I thought that was a good summary, pretty much, of what we're doing. We are negotiating with the truly woke loonies, including the polyamorous, gender fluid witch teacher. I mean, simply amazing. We even have to have this discussion. Florida teacher proudly announces on TikTok her identity as a polyamorous, gender fluid, non binary, I forgot that one, which doesn't require a special genius to understand why this teacher should be removed from teaching preschoolers. Just requires common sense and moral courage. And that is for sure. Doesn't <clears throat> The American people do know right from wrong. They do know what moral health is. They are being intimidated and gaslit by the left into giving up their common sense. It's time to call out nonsense and refuse to accommodate or negotiate with it. It's time to stand up for truth. And then we talk about retaking colleges and Universities for America, Alan West attacked. Lieutenant Colonel West addressed at University of Buffalo America's Not a Racist Country. Truly amazing, but you're not allowed to say that. You can't say that, which is if you're Alan West, even though as a black American, he ought to have a little credibility, but no, he can't do that. Shouted down by a mob chanting Black Lives Matter, West had to be escorted out by the police. Again, no special genius required to know this is unacceptable behavior in America. University officials must have the moral courage to insist on civility, set rules for civil protests, give clear advance warning to abide by the rules or face specified consequences, arrest and remove the violators. Expel them from the school. This is the only way they will learn. The remedy for mob-based cancel culture is not complicated, but it requires moral courage. And on LinkedIn, another big tech speech censor. Female veteran LinkedIn member posts opposition to student loan forgiveness. Permanently banned from LinkedIn for hate speech. What on earth does support or opposition to student loan forgiveness have to do with hate? What they're saying is, is hate of the leftist agenda. This is Silicon Valley, leftist groupthink at work. Google, Facebook, Twitter, are now LinkedIn, all controlled by the same censorship policies. The American people must stop patronizing woke corporations. They will not be convinced to change policies any other way. <clears throat> and we talked about election fraud caused January 6. And here is the fix. January 6th committee will not be able to change reality. The American people know they witnessed a stolen election on November 3rd, 2020, and they were were moved to protest on January 6th. Vote counting stopped on election night. This had never happened before in all of U.S. history in one state, much less than five. All five states were swing states, and vote counting stopped when Trump was comfortably ahead in all five. And all five went for Biden after vote counting resumed, And ballot dumps were made with ridiculous pro-Viden vote ratios. There was no storming of the Capitol on January 6th. Capitol police on the video waving people in. By the way, actually, there were several entrances. Some people, you've seen the video. Some did climb through windows. For the most part, it was a peaceful demonstration by the vast majority of people who thought they were welcome. Nothing needs fixing about January 6th except the election fraud tools that gave rise to it. Vote Amish. See Seth Kessel's 10 points for correcting election fraud. I can put those up later. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 PM Central Time. Tomorrow, our guest on a special Thursday show is Xi Van Fleet, a woman who grew up in China under Mao Tse Tung, lived under the massacres of the Cultural Revolution, and lived under the societal manipulation by Mao Zedong. And she says that what we're watching in America, the critical race theory and other political machinations by the left are the same thing Mao Zedong did to China. She's warning America. She's waving a red flag. Danger of what the left is doing to America. So this is tomorrow on our show, Xi Van Fleet. For now, I'll say thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk, every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I talk about America on this show, because America matters. And I will talk to you next time.
1: America Can We Talk. Truth About America.